Hey there. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. That was a lie. It's not sunny. On my way over here, I saw the sun over the bay. It's not sunny, but that's okay because... It was very wavy yesterday. Because my heart is, is sunny. And that's all that matters because I am wearing... My Christmas present from Naked Jim. My new Evil Knievel outfit. What do you think? Looks so fast. Pretty amazing. Well, the last one got worn by uh, a man sweating with no underwear. And I said, ah, oh, you can keep it. <laughs> so <laughs> so I got a new one. So I'm, I'm happy about that. No, hey, you can sweat in it with no underwear. Exactly. <coughs> um, hey, everyone. Welcome. This is our last recording of 2023. Another year down, another year down. But let's get to who is here, my my steady and dependable cohort running the board, the one and only Stumpy John. Heidi ho, everybody. Stumpy John. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, we'll say reoccurring stunt misfit on the couch today, holding down the candy. It's Scotty. Hello. Hello. And you came here on your pit villain, vit pillin. I can never remember. Something like that. Vit pillin? Vit pillin, yeah. Okay. I always think pit villain, like it's a snake in a quarry. No, it's less cool than that. Uh, And then uh, over in gym seat, because Jim is having fun, it's the one and only Mrs. Stumpy. Did you mute her mic? Oh, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I wish I could do that at home Say that again. Yes. (laughs) Hello, everyone. There you go, Mrs. Stumpy. And, uh, of course, we have a surprise misfit about to enter the room any second. But we have a whole bunch of misfits joining us. How many people do you see there, John? Uh, 12, 15. Wow. Hey, everyone. You want to give everyone a big hello? Hello. 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 Yeah. I recognize. Hey, I know that one. Hey, we got Wendy and Mike there. Oh, yeah, I recognize a whole lot of these. Barry, oh, who's wearing the, the Misfit shirt? Oh, somebody's on fire. Ah, Mike, well played, sir, yeah, well played. absolutely. How to wear the uniform. <laughs> oh, yeah, Mike's got it. Yeah, okay, good, good, good. Love it. So this is the end of the year. Um, we had a nice garage day. Jim and I thought no one would show up, so Jim brought over his Honda Ascot project that he's lost steam on. And I said, you know what, bring it over. Let's... Let's work on it. We're, no one's going to show up on New Year's Eve. Well, opened up at 11 o'clock, and at 11.01, people showed up. And we always say we like visitors, and we had a bunch of them. Uh, Dave brought his boys, I like to call the mob, uh, Joey and Tony. Yeah, they were cool. Yeah, yeah, and they got a bunch of free gear. And then Peter showed up on his new-to-him um, EX500C. Fun. Sweet bike. Sweet bike. Uh, and just nonstop. People coming by, hanging out. Um, it was it was a fun day, but we didn't get anything done, <laughs> nothing done. But you know what? We did get rid of a bunch of gear, um, and we did uh, we did a stupid thing. <clears throat> well, you know, um, it's been a while since the recycled tug and tow service has been in operation, <laughs> as opposed oh, yeah. to the rub and tug. No, this is the tug and tow that I used to do on the Trail Seventy when somebody would break down. <laughs> It's amazing how much a Trail 70 can tow. 
And I would tow people home. Well, Jim had the uh, the Ascot 500 engine out, just a you know rolling chassis. I'm like, I'll come get you on the Amigo, <laughs> which wouldn't start this morning. It's crazy. So instead, I took the little electric scooter, the little electric scooty scoot that can barely get me up a hill, but for some somehow that little thing chugged both of us home. It was pretty. It's like bad it's, ideas with Jim and Liza. It's pretty flat between there and here. Yeah, it is pretty flat. Yeah, but there was a railroad crossing. But yeah, and we, you made it. we got it down. Had a fun time. Um, but I have a a declaration to make, and this is going back. <clears throat> we didn't record last weekend. We actually took Christmas off. I was in England, hanging out with Haley Bell and uh, and uh, enjoying the British traditions of wearing silly hats and and small explosives at the dinner table and reading dad jokes and it was a lot of fun um but i realized uh well actually we had a listener who who emailed in we were talking on our last episode we were talking about smart helmets right yeah i got the the quinn not so smart helmet here um (laughs) and we were talking about what we want in a helmet both jim and i said I really just want a helmet that I can like talk into and say like, show me directions to in and out burger or put on the Eagles or call Jim. And, uh, and Jim's like, yeah, that's all I want. I just want simple. I want to be able to just talk and things happen. And, uh, a listener emailed us and said, well, I have a iPhone and a Cardo on my helmet and I'm able to do that. And it was one of those things where I thought about it and I said, I'm not sure I ever tried. So I put my helmet on, <laughs> hooked it up to my phone. I'm like, uh, play a Pandora. And Jonas Brothers came up. I'm like, give me directions to In-N-Out. Google Maps came up. I'm like, call Jim. Ring, ring. Oh, Jim, we are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling from my helmet. <laughs> and he's like, holy shit, we're idiots. So it turns out You've we have smart helmets. It's already been realized. Turns out we've had smart helmets all along, and boy, that was an embarrassment. <laughs> Just the contents that needed uh, smartening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody. But I realized I don't ever really use. I don't like. Hey Siri, play this or Hey do that. So I'm not. I'm not used to just doing the the commands. Neither is Jim. So um, yeah. That was a fun one. So we have the smart helmets of our dreams. Has everyone else? Has Merry everyone Christmas else figured that out? Does everyone else already know that's uh, how the communication systems work? Somebody's giving a thumbs up. Yeah, Mike, what do you think? He's like, "Yep, yeah, you're an idiot." <laughs> yeah, I, in, I knew, in his defense, the- he he told me to tell you that, and I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing a lot of people were shouting back at their their speakers like you're idiots so yeah so there there is that um oh um here's a, an update i yep. haven't talked to you we john well wait, i needed emma in the room she's uh she'll be here soon but i've i think i've come to a decision about yeah so you know we were talking about giving a bike away next right. year yeah hmm. And what kind of bike and how do we give it away? And I was asking for input from everyone. I think I've narrowed it down. 
Oh, yeah? Because I thought of a bike that would be good for a new rider because it's small displacement, but also would be good for somebody with a lot of bikes because it is a vintage collectible bike, and I already own it. The Kawasaki? The KZ400. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. That's a, that's a good the one. The KZ400 that I have that is a complete stock bike. That Here's what I thought, and uh, yeah, I want to get you know feedback from y'all here. Um, what I was thinking is, if we give it the recycled treatment and with Emma's tutelage, polish things up and, and refresh and do like her level of kind of restoration, because it's already a running bike, but to make it a more, more valuable running bike, um, that, and then, and then do a giveaway because it would suit anybody really. Um, I think that that would be a good, uh, a good bike also. And I I don't know if everybody knows why I have that KZ 400 and why it's relevant to the recycle garage. Are you familiar with this, John? I am. Yeah. I'm not. So when I was 22 years old, moved to Boston, all I could afford was a motorcycle. I got this KZ 400 that was in somebody's backyard for a few hundred bucks, but I didn't have enough money to like do all the work to fix it up. And I met this guy at a bar as you do in Boston. And he said, well, I'll, I'll help you out. Just come on over to my house. And he would like show me how to do things. And he taught me how to do all the basic things, how to clean the carbs, how to change oil, how to replace the chain. And he just took the time to help me out on, on weekends. And I, I was so appreciative because that was my only transportation year-round in Boston. And he enabled me to have transportation. And so that was always uh, so um, <clears throat> so important to me. And that's why I said, you know, I want to get another KZ400 because that was the bike that was really the, the impetus for the recycled garage and me wanting to turn around and help people because I have the tools, you know, and I have the friends and I knew how much it meant to me. And now I've been able to help other people. So that's why I bought that KZ 400, just stuck it in the back of the garage. I don't know. That feels like it's too, too close almost to, to give away. It's not the original one, yeah, but it's, it's, it's another one. And I was like, I just wanted just to have one again, just as a, a, a reminder of why I started all this because of, the kindness of one one guy. So I think it's even fit more fitting to give it away. Yeah. Okay. What do you guys think? KZ four hundred? Does would would anyone yeah, I'm getting some thumbs up. Would it's anyone? a super rad bike. It's pretty you, rad. You think? Yeah, I do. Rad? I'm not sure about rad. I think it's neat. It's great. I used to have one actually. I had I somebody you know, my I had a somebody gave me one when I was a teenager and I went away to school and I gave it to my uncle to hold and i came back and i'm like hey i'm gonna get my bike and they're like no no no. we feel really bad about your riding we're just not gonna give it back to you I'm like great <laughs> so, i was very upset about that well, oh and i didn't tell you the rest of the story the significance of the kz400 so i had that bike and it got run over by somebody okay hey <laughs> it was parked and a car ran over it oh yeah they literally had to get a record to lift the car to drag the bike out and pretty much totaled it. And pretty I much. was like, oh, 
Bummer. So are we thinking leaving it stock or are we going to do a little customization? Well, well I'm let me finish my story. All right, go ahead. So then I was, I had no transportation <laughs> and then somebody said, hey, there's a bike abandoned in the back of my apartment complex if you want it. And it was a Another KZ400. KZ 400. <laughs> oh, wow. So I just transferred the title. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, well, I mean, I... You just transferred the VIN. The VIN. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <There> you go. <laughs> to that bike. <laughs> Dremel the VIN. <laughs> so it's like, it was like, wow. Like, again, for somebody who had no transportation. So anyway, that is the story of the KZ400. Um, there is a question I want to pose to the group. And um, I mean, to everyone here in this room, even you, Mrs. Stumpy. Okay. Because this is the type of thing to ask, because everyone's planning for like 2024, right? Mm-hmm. Planning trips, stuff like that. Um, I'm I'm making, a, this is not a commitment, but I feel confident that I will not buy another bike in 2024. Hmm. I feel like I've got a really good selection right now that I don't need anything. But you're, everyone's always thinking about what will that next bike be? Oh. Of course. I don't know. I don't know if you, can I make it. you know. can't make it a year. I don't think you can make I want, it a year. I want to know. We'll start in the room and then we'll go mm-hmm. to people in the Zoom. I want to know what everyone's next bike will be. Mm-hmm. Do, does anyone have one ready? Yep. <laughs> I do. You do? What yeah. do you got? What oh, do you got? I will do. Yeah. Go ahead, go go ahead, ahead. Scotty. I have had a bug up my ass for a while now and it's come up here that. I really think it would be a fun, air quotes, fun thing to do an iron butt on something with 50 cc's of displacement. So Okay, I, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I know somebody who's probably, there's a couple people here yeah, who are probably laughing at you yeah. right now. Oh, I Wait, know it's stupid. Hold on. How, ma- how many iron butters are in the room right now? I know of at least two. One, two, counting one, three. Yeah, three. Yeah. Or, well, yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, Chris and Wendy, has anyone done an iron butt on a 50cc bike? I want to say yes, Wendy. Do you agree? I don't remember who it was, but... Yeah, there was a a dude not that long ago, just like pre-pandemic, that did it in Arizona. And he had a a chase truck behind him with like a a sign that said slow moped or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. But... uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it. The the smallest I've done it was 100ccs, 103ccs uh, Chinese bike. But definitely, they've been smaller. Yeah, yeah, it's been done before. I'm not. It's not the uh, groundbreaking thing. But I've got my mind set on an Aprilia RS50. Oh, oh. You know, there's one of those MB50s on Facebook right now. I found an RS50 for sale. Oh, you did. Uh, not too far away. Oh. I just need to get rid of the uh, SV650 first. So your next bike will be a 50cc. Oh, it's a I know. I know. I know. I know which what bike. Um, I someone help me. There's a Yamaha. Two-stroke cruiser. Does this ring a bell to anyone? That sounds big. We no, it's not. We found one at Vintage Days one year. <laughs> it is a cruiser seat. It looks like a like I think I think it's like a Virago, fifty cc two-stroke. I kid you not. It is one of the ugliest bikes I've ever seen. The RS fifty is attractive to me. Yes, because it may looks not like a be weird comfortable. For 24 hours. Nothing's comfortable. Scotty doesn't care about that. Okay. Fair enough. I think it'd be fun to do. Uh, Wendy, Chris, you think uh, Scotty can do it? I don't want to hear no. That would be yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. All right. 
What's Me? yours? Uh, I'm thinking about the Husqvarna FE350 or the 450 equivalent of a KTM. Dirt what? bike. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Dirt bike. Cool. Oh, why, why that? Because I think I'm going to be eventually ready to upgrade the um, the DRZ to something newer. That'd be a great upgrade. What yeah. about the SWM? Yeah. <sighs> what what's what's that? What's oh? It's yeah. a Husqvarna. It's older technology. If I'm going to spend the money, I'd rather just spend a couple thousand more and get a newer one. All right, uh, Mrs. Stumpy, do you approve of that purchase? I don't think I have an opinion on that. <laughs> <laughs> the opinion would be yes. Mrs. Stumpy, uh, do you have a do you count that as your next bike? Well, no. Okay. Well, my next bike is going to be our um Harley, the Sportster. She wants oh. my dad's Sportster. Mm, the one that's in Florida. Yeah. Yes, that's what I want. All right. Yeah. Well, let's start so John, big, can you start calling yeah, names. Big Ben was first. Hello. Hey. hey. Ben, what what do you think your next bike will be? Uh, it's going to be that new Suzuki GSX oh, 1000. That, oh, that G- retro, right? No, the GS kind of like gems, but it's oh. on taller. Cool. Upright. Right on. G- GSX, uh, wait, 11? Is that what? Uh, that's the 1000. It's just like gems GT, but it's uh, on taller suspension. Oh. Mm. Oh. It just- right. Sick Jixer, dude. <laughs> Jocko, you got you were up next. What what's your bike? Oh, uh I've got road bikes, we got street uh race bikes. Yeah, um, you do. So I'm I'm finally pulling the plug on uh, on a dirt bike. Um we've got a kiddo now, so we're not we won't be able to do a full season racing anyway. So we gotta get on dirt a bit. So, so it's actually not one bike, it's gonna be two two fifty dirt bikes, so we can both get on dirt a bit. Cool. Um, over the weekends. Fabulous. Good for you. All right. And hey, good to see you again. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been, well, she's now seven months. So wow. that's that's the delay right there. Yeah. Right on. Johnny Powell. Oh, hey. Uh, so I have a deposit in on the new Triumph Scrambler 400X. Oh. Ew. Right on. Very cool. And uh, I don't, I mean, it's, it's a smaller bike. It's kind of similar to what I kind of already have with my DR's dr650 but um it's modern and something about little single cylinder bikes just kind of fascinates me and anyway so uh supposedly it's going to be arriving uh yeah in the next week or two oh that's great what color did you get oh happy i got the black with silver nice great nice i mean the the green the kind of camo looking green one that seems to be the popular color but um i don't know i just wanted to to try something. I different. feel like it's been well established that silver is the best color. So nicely done. Awesome. Chuck, what's your next bike? I've got a, uh, an Educa Xperia arriving on Tuesday. Ooh-wee. Tuesday, like the day after tomorrow. Yep. Wow. I've been working on uh, getting that bought for a month now and having it uh, shipped from California to Alabama. Wow. That'll be a great. That's awesome. Time. And Mike Williams. So my probable next bike is going to be a Moto Guzzi V85 TT. Uh, my wife is in the job search right now, and two of the places she's looking are right next to Moto Guzzi dealers. Nice. So uh, that's the next possibility. And most importantly, I have standing permission to buy one as soon as we settle. Right on. 
That's great permission. <laughs> so we have uh, Miss Emma back with us. Hello, darlings. <laughs> so, Miss Emma, the question is: Yes, what would be your next bike purchase? Oh God, I am the luckiest girl in the world, and I shall tell you why. I'm exactly where I need to be right now with my bikes. Because you all know I've got Rufus, and Rufus is the absolute love of my life. I will never get rid of that bike. 1994 Suzuki RF900. It's a short-stroke Gixxer engine and this crazy bodywork that was only like a two-year bike. So I've got that. I've got the Superglide. I've got a bunch of ancient British bikes. I can't think what I'd buy. I know you got another bike. Yeah, but that's the I know. Bike, I know you just got another bike. What? No, I just restored another bike. No. Did you not just buy one during a dinner? I know you just bought another bike. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, but there's no <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So, here's the thing. So that doesn't count. No. Well, no. The thing is with British bikes is they're <laughs> it like... Doesn't they're, count it's British. No, they're like cats. You either have one or multiples. And I've already got multiples. So, um, I was at... See, I'm going to start name dropping now. It make me sound like I'm important. So, um... Over the years, I've done a lot of work for the Talbot Museum, which is one of the two big motorcycle museums um, here in California. Mm-hmm. And Rob has had a uh, one-owner oh. 1971 BSA Lightning. Oh, nice. Um, in the original Tangerine with a gray frame. Wild-looking bike. Absolutely wild-looking bike. And I've been after that bike for the last... 10 years anyway he got drunk and he finally he, <laughs> he finally said yeah i'll sell it to you for what i paid for it which is great so <laughs> I, I am now just to add to the collection it can go with a triumph trident and the tiger cub and god knows what else is is it restored or original still no it's original okay it's not pretty it's oh, running it's pretty. though right no it hasn't run in oh, 20 okay. years that doesn't matter <laughs> you know uh, that's what i kind of what i do but it's only done eight thousand miles from you so, it's cool. a pretty bike. Um, but, <sighs> but I want to give you a proper answer. If I was actually to go out and buy my next bike. Can, can, can we turn this around instead? <laughs> of what? Can we ask people to make suggestions? Well, we got one more bike. Here that yeah we'll do yeah. that and then I want people to make suggestions of what bike they think Emma needs. There you go. All right, there you go. Yep. Challenge. Okay. So, let's finish, let's finish. so first, Howard, Howard, Howardian, Howardian, Howard, Ian, Ian, it's <laughs> Ian Vanek. That's right. Ian, hey, so how are you, book. darling? I'm good. I'm here in Olympia, Washington. It's very foggy and beautiful. Um, and, uh, I, y'all are. I want to thank you for giving me such great reading material for my bath. Oh, you're sweet. Because I'm where I'm, I'm taken in the winter time to taking very, very hot baths, and I languish in them for an hour or so um, until I get very, very dizzy. You've done a podcast from your bath. I have before. done. I have yeah. done a podcast from my bath before, and my current go-to book is Puppy Dog Ice Cream. Oh, you're sweet. Thank you. I'll Authored send you more by books in the mail. I Ian, Ian Vanek. You gave it to me at the one show, you loony. I remember. <laughs> in no, person. I'll, I'll mail you different books. That's what I'm saying. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some other nice reading material. Oh, thank you, darling. Uh, because I, 
I'm so thankful for you. We we love you here at my house. My 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 answer to your question is both a suggestion for Emma oh, and I. I'll take I'm it. I'm an off road enthusiast, uh, but my suggestion is a, a Triumph 250 uh, dirt bike. They just came out with. This yeah, year. I mean, I tell yep. you what. Entering, but they're just they're motocross right now, right? They're not. Uh, they're entering supercross. They're no. Yeah. They have to be for sale. They they must be for sale. But they're not so. plated yet, are they? You can't plate it. No, yeah, I, I suggest you be. get a dirt bike. That's uh, <laughs> I, I like the, the idea my, of tearing a polyster on a Triumph. That sounds fun. Chris. Everyone needs a dirt bike in their arsenal. So That's Beta true. is the other one I would mention in that conversation. They're both entering Supercross, which mm. means they both have to be for sale on the marketplace, which means anyone looking at dirt bikes right now, think about Beta and Triumph. I, yeah. I can't afford to go that route. I, I'm fixing up a CR80. This is my next bike right here. <laughs> didn't, didn't I see that Ducati's getting into that Yeah, time? I heard that too. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Yeah, that would be in a few years. But Beta and uh, Triumph are on board. They're, Hold on. You know, Colt, Colt Nichols is uh, Triumph's rider. Isn't it and, Beta? Uh, Ricky Carmichael is yeah, it's beta. Uh, beta. Yeah, Beta. I heard someone else say Beta, and I never know. Is it Spanish? C. Uh, yes. right, beta. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the question was: Is what motorcycle should be Emma's next? Um, I've just thought of something. Not about motorbikes, but if you, when you finally accept and conquer all the challenges your Spanish dirt bike can give you, you become a master beta. Nice. Oh. Yeah. Thank you. I see what you did there. I know what I did. <laughs> 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 well, you know, it starts out you're on a beta trainer. That's what the yes. initial file is. Well, no, that's you're how you start. Trainer. You start as a beta right. trainer. It's true. And then you become a master. Yeah, well. Yeah, there you go. All the things. All right. I, I'm going to suggest that because I don't think you've owned one yet. Yes. But you've praised how great this bike is. Is. You need to put up or shut up and get a DR650. They are great. I've got one in the workshop right now, which is eating its top end. They do They do quite that quite often. I wrote, uh, I've ridden them across the country a few times and they burn up their CDI boxes. Yeah, so they sure. burn up a lot of things, yeah. but single yeah. cylinder bikes kind of do that. I'm right. actually going to make a confession in front of everybody in this room and everybody on the screen. Oh, no, they can already see your underpants. The camera's yeah. right in front of you. I just, I just, <laughs> I, I just took your picture, Laser. <laughs> I am actually, I am very, very, very taken. With Liza's Nikon. Like, really, really hmm. taken with it. Oh, wow. The abomination? The the ab abdominal sleet man. Yeah, I'm really oh. taken with it. Wow. Was it because it kind of, no, it kind of ticks all the boxes for me because it's quick. It's good at what it does. It's quite peculiar looking. <laughs> but you can't actually argue that it's a shit bike. And that's the thing with Rufus. As goofy looking as Rufus is, you can't argue it's a bad bike because it isn't. It's a really good bike dressed up in very, very weird clothes. And your Nikon's kind of the same way. I know it's a trikey, and I haven't had a trikey since I was a toddler. I'll admit that it's a bike that I feel like I could grow old with. You are old already, that's darling. True. Yeah. I think that's a prerequisite. <laughs> okay, Chris. So my I think I've heard Miss Emma talk about wanting a GT five fifty or water buffalo again. Yeah, I think how about that? Two strokes, two smokes. Oh, Emma, now that you're here, I was yes, trying darling. to bring up because Scotty wants to do an iron butt on a fifty cc. 
Do you remember the Yamaha Cruiser 50cc two-stroke bike? Yes. What is it? Well, wait a minute. I don't think Yamaha did it. I think Suzuki nope. did it. No, it was a Yamaha. A Cruiser. Cruiser. Because Suzuki did the OR50. And I think that's the one you're thinking of. No, the Yamaha one, and it had the, the where the passenger seat would be. Instead, had a little door and, and a oh little Oh, God, hatch. I remember it. Do you remember that? I, it was the weirdest like, place to put I don't remember the designation, thing. but um, look it up. Yeah, I'm looking at it. You should also look up Suzuki OR50. Yeah, that's, that's motorcycle-shaped. That is a motorbike. All right, so Water Buffalo... Yeah, and I mean, but I'll tell you what, um, Christoph, they're getting quite expensive now. They I mean, are. I don't know what the going rate is out there in rest of America land, but here in California, um, a good water buffalo is probably 10000 a good one. And then the air-cooled oh, wow. ones, a 380 or a 550, aren't far behind. I mean, they're getting, it's getting chunky money. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. All right. right, Jocko. Is that Jocko's modern life? Don't don't go for trikes yet, Emma. You're too young for that. Liza's the old one in the room, right? Um, So uh, I would definitely say, like, if somebody can keep those old Rocket 3s, remember the Rocket 3s that have Roman numerals, like 2004, 2005? Yes. Like, why go small when you're going big? Yes. And, And what I've heard... Not many people can keep those ones on road. It's true. Because, I mean, they made great power from day one, but the chassis wasn't great on the early ones. And some of the... Uh, oh, yeah, there it is. Look at that weird... Yamaha thing. RX50. It's an RX. Adorable. Somebody, um, one of Phil's guys, bought one at Venture J's for like 200 bucks a couple of years ago. But, you know, didn't we make... Didn't we broach the subject um, about doing an iron butt on a 50? Because an iron butt means you have to do a thousand miles in how long? Twenty four hours. That's the smallest requirement. Yeah. I don't think you could do it on a fifty. Oh no the the iron butt people already said it's that been you done. Can. Yeah, it's been done. It has been done. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. The, pro, the the pros already gave the thumbs up. Okay. Very good. So, if it can be done. It can be done. Who's got another bike suggestion for Emma's next bike? Nobody? Going? Going? Gone. You see, and I'll tell you why that is. Because people know that with Rufus, I'm in hog heaven. (laughs) How could I ever get rid of Rufus? Well, now I'm going to tell you which one of those suggestions I like the best. Is? The Triumph dirt bike. Yeah, Yeah. A dirt bike of some type. You know, I need to get back into dirt biking. So, for those of you who follow um, our lovely Wait, little podcast... get back into dirt biking? Well, no, hang on. <laughs> because <laughs> for those of you that follow this regularly, about three or four years ago now, me and Liza went down south and did the Honda dirt bike training. And I really got into it. And I think I was quite a lot better at it than I thought I would be, considering it's so opposite i mean all through my life i've always ridden street and i've really had no interest in dirt at all but i had a thoroughly agreeable time and i fell off the bike a couple of times but unlike falling off on asphalt which hurts you know you fall off in dirt and it doesn't hurt you just pick yourself up and off you go so 
I imagine that if you got a the dirt bike that you may not actually ever use it in the dirt, but just have it as like a future museum piece, you know, the triumph dirt bike. Uh, it's significant. Yeah, no, I think line. it, I think it might be too capable as a bike and I've seen them. And I think if you look at the, the, the four hundreds, the, the kind of dual sport ones, they obviously look like triumphs. But the dirt bike, the actual dedicated dirt bike, it looks like any other dirt bike. I mean, I think the fact that it's a Triumph is largely academic. There's a couple more suggestions here. Kawasaki Super Sherpa from Johnny Powell. A Sherpa, Super Sherpa. And, a, and Wendy wants you to get a Rokon. Oh, Wendy's right. A Rokon's a good two-wheel yeah. drive. Mm-hmm. Well, I have one more well, suggestion. Well, Wendy, you're no, a that's fr- from Sam. That's a Christine. Christini two-wheel drive? I don't know that. Oh, Christine, oh the Christini. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And they make um, very nice cakes as well. I have one more suggestion, and I'm going to, I'm going to bet. With raspberry filling. I'm going to bet that if this presented itself as an option. Yes. That you would not be able to resist. I've been telling you, you should get a scooter to get back and forth from your house, which is not far from the shop. Fuji Rabbit. If we could find a Benelli Dong. Oh, God, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, in a heartbeat. Actually, I've been often thinking about that commute because um, I've got this V8 wrecker truck, which I adore, like all my vehicles, but it guzzles feel like it's going out of fashion because it's got the aerodynamics of a house. It's like (laughs) pushing a house down the road. Um, So Dave said he's got a TC90. Oh, yeah, that's a great little bike. And and we can reignite the dual range transmission argument. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. TC ninety little Suzuki. Well, originally the the little dirt bike dual sport Suzukis were the TCs, mm-hmm. um, which happened to also be a cartoon cat. I could actually see if you were to come out dirt biking with us, doing it on a vintage like an Elsinore or a something. Vintage, I think that would Elsinore be a good. Be great. I think yeah. it would be a good good match for you. Yeah, I think it's it's something to think about. It'd be so much fun. Well, and something know, that you could ride in heels. Yes. There you go. So Chuck says is asking if you're ready for an electric bike yet. No, mm. no. And oh God, I'm going to break a lot of hearts right now. I'm just, I don't get it. Oh, I just, it. I don't get it. A stark electric. And bike. I, I want to get it. I want to get it so bad because it's the way things are going. But all I can do is just speak personally. And to me, an electric bike is an appliance. It's a method of getting from A to B, and that's kind of not why i ride motorbikes well and dave confirmed that you don't have any underwear on a what <laughs> dave confirmed that you don't have underwear on yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> hey dave um, emma <laughs> i just took your picture <laughs> before i go into the next uh question we had some he said some hey great, hot stuff <laughs> we had some great listeners come by today but uh listener dave dropped that off for you oh fantastic assorted chocolate and he said i know she likes to eat on the show so i do <clears throat> here's something to put in her mouth. i'm gonna break i'm <laughs> i'm gonna break them open right now and i'm gonna eat the crunchiest one i can find I apologize in, in advance to everyone here i'm sorry i'm gonna <laughs> select because i have this large box of chocolates from c's candy um and i'm gonna select the noisiest one and then share it with the others so, so um, I want to keep. I want to keep this kind of question going. This is kind of fun to hear what bikes yeah. people are looking for. And the next question I have, and this time we'll start with everyone in, in Zoom. I want to hear what destinations 
people are looking forward to. If, if people are planning trips. <laughs> like, I am planning to get anywhere far away from Emma that I can go. <laughs> that is my goal. So, Chris, where are you going? Where do you want to go? So, I want to do something outside of the U.S. Uh, I was really intrigued at it. AMA Vintage Days, sitting with Wendy, looking at the trips they host. Ooh. So I'm hoping to do one of those trips or possibly one of the Misfits trips. Come I to Pakistan with me, Chris. Come on, buddy. I'm tempted. So I, I, I can't make a decision until March when I get my bonus and get my play money. <laughs> Hold but on. Chris, how tall, are, how tall are you? 5'9"-ish. Okay. Yeah, oh. yeah. That'd be a good fit. He's, a, he's a stumpy like me. Uh, hopefully i'll lose weight by then but if not i'll just lie behind (laughs) chuck where are you going this year chuck burgess yeah he's coming there you go buddy is that me yep that's you um, chuck (laughs) looking forward to uh uh, electrics at the uh, tail of the dragon and this may again uh fifth year now all right oh is it still a shit show on the weekends during the summer, yes, very much so. Hmm. During the week, uh, the uh, meetup we have up there usually runs weekend to weekend, so the uh, the weekdays are the are the nicer days to be riding up there. My my memories of doing the Tail of Dragon that what, Emma the loudest candy, <laughs> my word, um, is that really one of the highlights that people don't talk about is not just it's not the road so much as the end of the day destinations and all the other people gathering there and people coming together and sharing stories and meeting other bikers and that kind of thing. Sounds good. Like there's, cause there's so many, there's like biker campgrounds and everything. And just that kind of whole, uh, gathering that to me is a lot of fun there. All right, yeah. Dwayne. Yeah. And there's lots of other roads around there too. Yeah. Okay. Dwayne. Texas Hill country and big Bend national park. Oh, nice. Very fun. Wait, what was the first one? Texas, Texas Hill. Hill Country. Area. Yeah, that's beautiful out there. Is it flat? It's hilly. It's hill country. Wait, Come on. Th- what? what? Texas, they have a hill? It's pretty flat. Okay. Except for the hilly part. It's rolling. It's a rolling sort <laughs> I, of flatness. I live in Illinois. It's hilly. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch out. I remember riding through Texas years ago and. It's really warm, and I was wearing just a little halfy helmet. Like it just, you know, feels nice. Sun's going down. You're looking at the sunset. Everything's great. And then, pow! A beetle to the forehead. Oh, I nasty. thought I'd been shot. They do have some quite large bugs. They though. got large bugs. So yeah, wear the mask. So the Johnny mask. Johnny Powell says he's going to the Dolomites with you this year. Johnny oh. Powell, make yourself known right now, Johnny Powell. There you go. Yeah, nice nice job. We're going to have a lot of fun on the Dolomites. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I'm really I'm interested so in this. Excited. Wendy, where are you going this year? <gasps> oh, yeah. I know where she's going. Yeah, you got to unmute. There you go. Sorry, Mark's, Mike started poking stuff. So, <laughs> in two weeks, I'm going to France. I'm super stoked about that. Zutalo! Wait, wait, wait. Are you going for the off-road training? Uh, I'm Yes, I'm doing some stuff with Vintage Rides there in a couple of weeks, so that'll be cool. Nice. So cool. Um, end of the year, I'm going to Australia, so that's going to be cool. But what I'm most excited about is I'm dragging Liza to Peru, and that's yeah. going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We're that, going to Peru together that's with Vintage Rides. Right. Yep. I so, know. I am super stoked about that. That's going to be an awesome adventure. Yeah, so thanks for dragging me along. This is the first time I've been dragged along. 
rather than me dragging. But hopefully, fingers crossed, I might be dragging her along end of the year, too. Mm. We'll find Mm -hmm. out. We'll find out. Yep. Trying to make it work. Exactly. So many adventures, so little time. Anything to get rid of her. (laughs) So, um, Wendy, I'm going to give you a Miss Emma top tip. Um, Liza is very, very easy company. Far easier than you might actually think. Because, you know, which you, it's easy to think Liza's a little bit difficult, but she's not. She's very easy company on a trip. But she will insist on recording podcasts very late at night in your room. So, and we're, uh, we are going to be roommates. So right. It's going, so be it's prepared. Be, be prepared to record an interview at 11 o'clock or later at night, no matter what time you're getting up in the morning. All right. So, um, and and I just wanted to say the reason I wanted to hear this from people is I actually haven't done that much writing in other countries. It didn't seem to be that that affordable of an option until now. Discovering all these outfits, but even like Cat making these trips affordable and vintage rides, which have these very affordable trips all over the world and our Pakistan trips. And so now I'm kind of like, wait a minute, this isn't just for like rich people want to go ride a GS through Africa with Charlie Borman, you know? So that's why I want to hear where other people are going. But this is the greatest thing about motorcycling. If people actually tap into this, we've got this amazing network of people. And we have the thing that binds us together is this love of motorcycles. And we don't care what you do for a living. And we don't care where you live. We don't care how much money you've got. None of that matters. What matters is you love bikes. And everybody's doing these different things. So now, um, going to Pakistan, going to Italy, going to Germany, going to Peru suddenly becomes something that's affordable because it's within our network and Mm -hmm. we know people who are doing it. All you've got to do is just tap into it. I think it's just the greatest thing. Okay, a few more. So Guy Alexander says he's going to Castles and Curves with Emma. Guy! Guy in the heist. Everybody should go with Emma anywhere she wants to go. I have some um, some advice for people going on the trip with Emma. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, I'm not going to say why. Let it. I'm just going to say, bring extra underwear. I actually, I think that's sound advice. It's never bad advice. (laughs) Bring extra underwear. (laughs) All right, shots. Where are you going to go next year? Uh, I've got two BDRs, the Idaho and the Oregon one, and then uh, North Rim of the Grand Canyon. All, oh, right. All, oh, cool. Pretty much off-road, all three of them. Right. Yeah. yeah that's what what bike times. are you using on the BDRs? What's that? What bike are you using on the BDRs? Uh, I'm On the Idaho one, I've got a 1250 GS. For the Oregon one, I've got a DR650. Interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about the Northern California one that's... yeah. Coming in there just, just coming soon, right? Yeah, do it open? did they publish a route yet? I don't, yeah, did they publish Not it yet? Yeah. No, they haven't. I don't think they have no. yet. It's coming, oh, cool, coming very soon. All right, Scott, where are you gonna go this year? Uh, I'm going to mid Ohio yeah. the first time, oh. Wait, for the first see. time in years, it doesn't conflict with my anniversary. Show so of I'm hands, who else is going to mid Ohio? Yeah, that's right. Okay, Matt Miller is going to oh, Matt Miller, yeah. Southern Utah, uh, Grand Staircase National Monument in March. Where's, uh, where's Matt? 
Where's you're gonna wave so we can see you from Matt, here? Matt, Matt. <laughs> there he is. Okay. Hey, oh, Matt. hey, Matt. Left side um, from the top. Hello, Matt. I haven't looked at your bike yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was wondering about that. <laughs> no, it's going to be. It's on the ramp tomorrow. Awesome. And uh, Scott says, "Don't drink a milkshake before section one of the Oregon BDR." <laughs> That's probably smart. Top yeah. tip. All right, Jacko. Wait, wait, wait. wait Southern what? Utah. Southern Utah. Where? Where in Southern Utah? Where are you riding? Grand Grand Staircase. He said. <clears throat> oh God, that's going to be pretty. Yeah. Ooh. So we're we're going to hit all the Bryce Canyon, Zion's. Right. And I've never been there before, but uh, my brother-in-law is. Uh, we're going to go hit that up in March. That's great. Make, uh, make sure you go to Smithsonian Butte, right? Which is on the way to um, to to Zion, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, and then oh, I'm blanking the ghost town. Um, um, I'll think of it. Yeah. You, also, yeah. Uh, Valley of Fire uh, is really great, and it's close. Yeah, to that's there too. that's on the list. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jim and I, or who did that? Uh, wasn't right. Jim? It was uh, Jim. And yeah, whatever. Craig and I, Craig and I did it. Yeah, cool. Enjoy that, uh, Jocko. Where are you going to go next year? Going to the racetrack. <laughs> well, actually, uh, but uh, so um, I'm actually super lucky. I have friends who plan our trips, so I only ask whether it's going to rain or snow or it's going to be 100 degrees. So those are the long distance rides. But you're actually spot on, Liza. Bottom Willow Raceway. Is- Paving a new track as we speak. Oh, really? Uh, Sonoma Raceway laying down uh, new asphalt as well. That's about 10 years too late. Wow. Um, but those those other places I'm looking forward to going to this year. Um, in terms of long-distance rides, who knows? Like I said, I don't plan those ones. I'm, I'm lucky enough that I only need to pack a couple of T-shirts and join other guys. <laughs> and Laguna Seca just got... Um, um, oh, just got repaved. Hey, here's a, here's a side it, question. It, it did, but it's not... So it was great for like a month. Yeah. It already has seams. It already has some race edges. It already has um, uh, uh, tar snakes because they had to repair it. So yeah. it's a bit of a shame. I don't know what happened there, but but it's not as good as, frankly, it was before the repair, mm. if you ask me. Jocko, let me ask you. There's a, is it a rumor or more than a rumor that they may be adding a second American location for MotoGP? And that it there's may rumors be out about west? which one is going to. Yeah, so there's rumors which one is going to be. And um, suddenly everyone's but, repaving. <laughs> yeah. So where are they talking about right now? Yeah. What? It is not going to be Laguna. That's clear. Okay. Um, I I don't actually know what tracks they are talking to. There are a couple of really good tracks in the U.S. Amazing tracks: Road America, Road Atlanta, yeah. so forth. The problem with most American tracks is the facilities. Like even if the track is amazing. The facilities tend not to be, um, but there a lot of MotoGP insiders have said that there will be two American rounds. But then at the same time, people are saying it's unfortunately not going to be Laguna. Laguna is just not safe for those bikes. Uh, those bikes go like 215, 220 miles an hour. Like, can you imagine that? It's in Laguna? Be a track. Can you imagine yeah. somebody flying a corkscrew? That's just that's just not going to be on auto bikes. Hmm. What do you think of like Miller? Isn't that the one in Utah? Uh, yeah, Miller Motorsports. Uh, Salt Lake City. As good as mine. Um, Miller hmm. has a little bit of the same problem as well. There's a couple of places that if you run off fast enough, you'll run off back on the track. Yeah. So Johnny Powell's asking about uh, what happened to Indy. Indy? Indianapolis. 
He said he uh, he attended MotoGP there one time. Hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't. In what decade? <laughs> what decade, Johnny? Yeah, because it has. A, I don't remember it being yeah, there. But yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, I want to hear. I want to keep going down the line where people are going. What are trips? Because I'm 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 getting more excited about discovering new places now. Mm-hmm. Who else has got a trip planned? <clears throat> I've got a trip planned that I want to... Uh, oh, oh, go ahead on the online. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, really quickly, I was going to say, I, I plan to go to A1 on January 6th. Uh, it's the opening round of Super Closet at Anaheim Stadium to see Jet Lawrence and Hayden, you know, uh, Hayden Deegan and all these great motorcycle riders. I'm very, very excited about That's a trip that I, I'll just pepper oh, that in quickly. Right on. And uh, yeah. 2008, Johnny says, it was at Indianapolis. Really? Yeah. Huh. All right. Cool. Anyone else got a I trip planned? I would also just quickly oh. just add to that the, the Ridge Motorsports here in uh, Shelton, Washington. I have seen them pumping millions of dollars yeah, into their America's facilities specifically. Mm-hmm. So we now have uh, Moto America. We've had several rounds there. And they you're right. They're, they can't put enough money into their facilities. So they now have these massive garages that the teams can rent and so on and so forth. So that the television cameras can come and on and on. So Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, Scott's asking about the Thermal Club. I don't know where that's at. Anybody know that? The Thermal Club? Yeah, so they're throwing money around. That's a that's a private club. It's a new club. Uh, I think it's in Arizona or somewhere. Oh, really? Um, uh, in that area, it, it's it's one of those private clubs where you can like buy a house on the track and buy a garage and so forth. Yeah. It's a pretty cool place, but it's not going to be FIMA uh, spec. So that's not probably gonna be either i'm I'm as curious as anybody else it it sounds really cool to have two rounds of motor gp in the u.s um rumors are pretty wild but uh i think it will come down to the specs the specs are pretty easy to read if you go to and read fim uh specs for the racetracks um you can figure out which tracks just flat out cannot make it what about daytona is anybody talking about that jocko isn't that just going to circle no it doesn't they have have an oil field uh, Daytona doesn't. Nobody does big bikes in Daytona anymore. They don't yeah, even do true. leader bikes, yeah. like stock bikes. Yeah, they just run six hundred. It's just on the banking. Yeah, it's just crazy. Mm. Scotty, where where'd you say you're going to be going? Well, I've got so much fun stuff planned for next year. Uh, but one of the things is I'm I'm hoping to drag you, Liza, up oh. to the Sierra Buttes for some off road good times. Oh, I think that'll be really. Well, fun. we're going to the Mojave in January. That's You're quick. going to the Mojave in January. That'll be fun. And any of you can come. Oh well, if Emma gets that dirt bike, we can bring her. There you go. I better get looking. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. Also, All right. So, and last well, also chance. What? Oh, I'm also super excited oh. for a trip to Mongolia. Oh, oh that's right. See, You're doing on a Vespa, right? I want to hear. What are you doing yeah, it on? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's a group called the Adventurists that run tours all over the world, and this one's called uh, the Monkey Run. I hear they have good barbecues. <laughs> <laughs> not the I'll monkey. Let, not I'll the let, monkey. I'll let you know. Yeah. So I'm still I'm real that's stoked exciting. on going to Mongolia in yeah, July. That's great. Ooh. Wow. All right. Well, um, I have the next the next question. Oh. And this one um, may cause a little bit of a debate. Again, I tried to come up with things that we could hear from everybody. There is no right or wrong answer but every answer can be argued yes 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 i know 
So, Emma, I had asked you yeah. not too long ago. Yeah. What do you think is the golden age of motorcycles? Yeah. And you you had right away an answer. Yes. What do you think is the golden age of motorcycles? Golden age of motorcycles was the 70s, late 70s. Why? Why? Because when you rode a motorcycle in the 70s, Wait, are you talking about your wooden spoked bike in the 1870s? Yes, that's right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's right. The 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 steam powered one, yes. the one with a little monkey. The reason why to me the 70s was such a halcyon time. Jap- up until 1978, Japan was focused on one thing, was actually making the bikes perform better. After 1978, 79, 80, their goal was to make the rider perform better. You understand the difference? So everything in the 1970s was toward outright performance. So you're talking about the 10-year period where every bike wanted to kill you. Basically. Yeah. And the insurance companies hadn't got wind of this yet, and the licensing companies hadn't got wind of this yet. So basically... As a wild-eyed 17-year-old, I had a Suzuki GS1000. Yeah. My best friend had a KZ1300. The guy who started it all off bullet, he started off on an XS1100. And so, um, you know, we overtook him very, very quickly. So he got his nose put out of joint. And he got this marvelous French creation called the Moto Martin KZ1000, which was basically... Um, a Z1000 Kawasaki engine in this French perimeter frame. And we were all like 17, 18 years old. And we had access to this just incredible machinery that could easily do 140 miles an hour, but would kill you if you looked at it wrong. How did you not die? I have no idea. (laughs) And a lot of us did, but a lot of us made it through. It's, It's just... I think it was a really good time to be young, just not in motorbikes. I'm seeing a lot of gray hair looking back at me on the screen, and I defy anybody who (laughs) was post-puberty in the late 70s to say they did not have a good time. It was just a real good time to be alive. That period from 76 to 79, 80... It was a wild ride. Do I have anybody who's going to disagree with me on that now, who was around? Now, hold on. Hold on. Yes, I want to know if anyone disagrees, but here's here's the game. Change Emma's mind. Who has a different era that they think is a golden age, and can you convince her to change her mind? Anyone, anyone want to take a shot at that? Because she's a stubborn old girl. All right, I'll give it a try. Let me try first. All right, all right. I actually sort of agree with you, but I would probably go from 75 to 85 because you're starting to get into better suspensions and you're getting um, some of the more iconic bikes, the Interceptor, the GPZs started coming out at that point Mm -hmm. too. Babbling from the sickbed. That's all that is. (laughs) Babbling from the sickbed. You keep a straight face and you expect me to listen to ramblings from a lunatic. (laughs) Honestly. I I think that a lot of the things you're talking about, Emma, of having 
super powerful bikes that are widely available and um, achievable by people who are not old enough to make smart decisions yet. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, right? And that's what makes it golden, right? The golden age is the death trap yeah. period. Yeah, yeah, the death trap period. And we are just entering the next death trap period. I think we're we're coming into the next death trap period. Did based- you know that that was what my answer is? No, but you're right. And... <laughs> <laughs> And I think that because I was out for a walk a few weeks ago, and I and I, I passed by two high schools. Both high schools had bike racks crammed with e-moped cargo bike things that are like the first gateway drug entry to motorcycles for a lot of kids currently. And we've seen that crazy thing knock was kooking around on today oh it's an electric pit bike it's, it's electric stupid it goes 57 miles per hour homemade electric pit bike with enough suspension for a 20 pound dog <laughs> both john and i when we sit on it just yeah. bottomed out went it's, straight yeah. to the ground it's, and, wow. and it goes like almost 60 miles an hour full <laughs> death trap and the brakes are terrible so let me let me join you on this not because of a chinese pit bike here's why i think we are about to enter the golden age. And for me, it's going to be the golden age because, um, what, what do you call it? like um, um, entry, en- right to entry? What are you, what's that phrase? Barrier to entry? Yeah, barrier to entry is coming down. Let me tell you this. Yeah. Have you heard about, um, so we already know that Honda's got the DCT, yes. right? A clutch of spike. A lot of people, a lot of young people have never driven stick. Mm-hmm. So having a clutch is, is barrier to entry. Do you know about Honda's new e-clutch? This is an apparatus that can be affixed to a clutch bike, kind of like a recluse, and turn it into a clutchless bike. So not mm. only do they have the DCT, their new e-clutch is going to be available that you can modify any bike to a clutchless. Um, then you also have, uh, let's see, it was KTM is working on a centrifugal clutch and auto shift range for uh, a bunch of big twins. So clutches are starting to go away. And then the other big one, did you guys see about this announcement? The Kawasaki announces a new hybrid motorcycle. Yeah, I saw that. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, and this is why I think this is golden age. So they announced this new um, hybrid motor. It looks like, like a ninja kind of bike. It's a 451cc parallel twin, water-cooled, four-stroke engine, okay? But its performance, it has the power of a 650 to 700cc class vehicle with the instantaneous acceleration of a 1,000cc class super sport model. But it also (laughs) has the unparalleled fuel economy compared to a 250cc class machine. You can switch between modes, you can make it exactly oh, what you want it to be. Eco death trap. I love it. But that to me is far more interesting than a purely electric bike because it's still going to give you a visceral sensation of having this internal combustion engine and underneath range. you. Yeah. Well, and I didn't even talk about electric. We know that it's coming. But Honda announced that they are investing $3.1 billion, with a B over 10 years to maximize sales of electric motorcycles. 3.1 billion what? They're euros. They're investing euros. 3.1 billion euros. 
and they're not looking at big displacement they're looking more at small displacement right rates. and that, i think that's which is to bring even more people onto two wheels right and i think that is going to so, represent a lot of the future of electric i propulsion. think we are coming into the golden age but i want to hear what other okay, people think wendy you're up so uh, I would tend to agree that the 80s, and I'm going to say like late 80s to early 90s, brought some really cool stuff just because companies were not afraid to innovate and experiment. And so we had like the XRs with the carbon a half and then, you know, like the Yamaha GTS and there was all sorts of interesting stuff. um, Rippers. Throwing things out there, seeing what stuck. But. I, if I had to pick one era for me personally, it would be like 1920s. Quite right then. Like <laughs> it's it's just like we just have this uh, this kind of new technology. It's really just getting rolling, and people could go out and have crazy adventures. Like really are not available to us in the world anymore. There's there's no wide open nothingness quite to the same degree that they had at that time when they, there were not paved roads, there were not maps right. of, of whatever dirt trails they were going to be following. There were no bike shops. I mean, they just, they picked something and they went and they made it happen. And like, that is the spirit I, I would of like motorcycling to, and adventure. I would like to add to Wendy's pitch also. Because that was at a time when women were in motorcycling. They didn't drop out of motorcycling until like the 30s, 40s. But back then, women and men enjoyed motorcycling together. It would have been quite, it would have been a very, very interesting time. The only thing that um, I think socially, I don't think we may have enjoyed as many freedoms as we have now. and travel within the U.S., as alluring as it would be traveling around the U.S., I think international travel was something that you had to be a multi-multi-millionaire to do back then. Um, even my mom, who, uh, you know, she was very much middle class. She certainly wasn't working class. Was always amazed about how much my brother and myself could travel. She, you know, she always used to refer to us as jet setters, which of course we weren't. We were just normal young people. But the notion of being able to jump on a plane and travel around to other continents really was completely lost on her. And that was just her generation. She grew up in the 1950s. So, um, but the 20s, it, that would be a very interesting time, I think. To ride a bike in, it would be very cool, wouldn't it? Yep. All right, who else is Mike? Got? Williams. Well, I have to a little bit agree with Emma in terms of the <laughs> 70s, but I enjoyed the 70s bikes in the 90s. Because by <laughs> that cheap. point... They were cheap. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So everything that you remember new, I remember 20 years old and dirt cheap. And so therefore, we could have lots of fun with it. And it was a great entry into this that didn't cost us anything. And is it, I was going to say, isn't that great? But God, let me tell you, there is nothing like saving up your bread and walking into the Suzuki dealer and seeing a spanking new GS1000. And just plopping your money down and riding out on it. 
It's the most yeah. amazing thing. The and, only thing I have to... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you're my, absolutely right. Like, the, yeah. the new bike is an amazing experience. The first time you sit down on a bike that only you have ever ridden, it's just an amazing thing. That was my... The first bike I ever did that was a Kawasaki Ninja. And that was such a... that The pride of ownership in that for me, even though it wasn't anything fancy, for me, it was so cool that I was able to do it myself. Right. Great. Uh, Ian, what do you got? Hey, uh, to me, there's the answer to this question is simple. There's like uh, regulation and technology have this like economic or uh, excuse me, statistical curve. And they meet each other, in my opinion, in like 1997, where the power of the bikes versus the EPA were like right at a sweet moment. They're moving their fastest around 97 to 2000 with the CR500 and things like that. And the other thing I wanted to add was a callback to Liza's answer, which was, I sent an email, uh, it's got to be many years ago now, asking about a hybrid motorcycle gas over electric and was quickly uh, poo-pooed for uh, space on on the the chassis. And I wondered what Emma would think about that today and how Kawasaki solved that issue. Well, you know, to me, the, the, the signs of someone of intelligence is their ability to change opinion and not be hidebound. Technology is changing all the time, and battery technology is changing, propulsion technology is changing. And an answer that was true maybe 10 years ago may be untrue now um real estate is always going to be a premium on a motorcycle and it's not just physical size it's weight as well anybody who's ridden a very very high performance electric motorcycle the first thing you notice when you get on is just how damn heavy and unwieldy they are you know they weigh an absolute ton of course it's battery technology um but that's getting better all the time um you know, Kawasaki have an advantage over the other four manufacturers because they're, they're the largest of the four by far. So they have this enormous financial clout. And, of course, they've got these tentacles that reach into other areas of technology that they can pluck from. And Kawasaki makes some very, very nice aircraft. And I suspect a lot of the technology that's in that hybrid bike is a lightweight technology that has been stolen from the aircraft division. Scotty, I mean, you work in this electric industry. What do you think? I mean, about about the high, the viability of hybrid. Yeah, well, it is absolutely right. Is that energy density has gotten smaller? So, right? so the 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 same physical. You know, I'll read to you the description. Are, are more. So they're saying using a special adaptation of the classic trellis type frame, the engine and nine kilowatt max traction motor have been fitted in a compact design with a 48 volt lithium ion battery central to the chassis for optimal weight distribution. So, yeah, they're they're packing it all in. Yeah. And it's two cylinders parallel, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll so tell you, you Emma, put the battery where the other cylinder ought to be. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you when when I get a new bike, I always go, "Where the heck did they put the spark plugs?" Because now you can't find them. Yes. <laughs> Hunt the sparkling plug. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Dave, you're up. When is the golden age of motorcycling? Uh, I'm not going to give you a direct answer there, but I think one of the things we've, <laughs> we've danced around a little bit is, um, you know, whether we're talking about the 20s or the late 70s or the you know mid 80s, early 90s. Um, and I think it was Ian said something close to this, you know, that, that point of the curve of when technology 
is there, but it's also still workable by the everyman. Mm. And although I like a lot of the, you know, vastness that Wendy alluded to, um, that's coming up, the no frontier of maybe the new technology, it's all being hindered and stifled right now. You can't work on the bike. You right. know, you ruin it or you ruin your warranty or they'll brick it for you. Well, that's, right to repair is a whole thing right now. I, I think that's where we are with yeah. a lot of these Onyx. inexpensive electric things where there's, you, you know, it's a free for all. Onyx, don't forget to yeah. eat. Onyx, eat your okay. Brussels sprouts. <laughs> but, you know, I think hearing what Nock was doing today, you know, I, I know that's how I heard it on the show. Like, that's a great example of where, you know, if there is going to be another golden age, that's where it's going to come from. The, the, the every man in the garage figuring it out and not some company telling, you know, six billion people what they're going to do. Right. And it's it's important to recognize as as we move on how things change that may not be meaningful for us old fuddy duddies but the younger people are just as enthusiastic about it and if you think about car culture if you go back to the 60s and 70s there were a ton of kids plucking six-cylinder engines out of mustangs and putting v8s in taking small blocks out putting big blocks in there was this, and you know every street corner there was a speed shop and everyone says, well, all that's gone away. And yes, of course, all that's gone away because muscle cars have gone away. But all the kids now, certainly in my neck of the woods in Salinas, which is, you know, big metropolitan town in Monterey County, all the kids are into small tuna cars. Mm-hmm. And they're just as enthusiastic about them. And they do just as many modifications. Yeah, they're not putting big block engines in. But, they're, you know, they're putting turbos on the size of a house onto a Civic and blowing it up and then doing it all again next weekend. So the yeah. culture yeah, has changed, out real quick. but it's, yeah. it's, it's still as enthusiastic as it was. And they, they love their vehicles just as much as we did back in the day. So let me pick, make another pitch for the future. Yeah. Because I think part of what you're saying and, and, and part of what John was saying for the golden age has a lot to do when the Japanese bikes really became the the main bikes right. at the forefront, right? Mm-hmm. And now we are coming into this Chinese bikes that are getting better and better, and there's a lot of money there investing in making the, these bikes better and better. Right. And I, I wonder, is that going to be the next golden era when the Chinese bikes are perfected? And it may be. I mean, if we go back to the 70s, and I'm sure the culture was different in America, but in Britain, if you were at any city bar or pub on a Saturday night, you'd have the British bike crowd. And they were older, and they were mean. (laughs) And they looked different, and they talked different, and they had BSAs, Triumphs, Nortons. And all these bikes had a bit of age to them. But they were kind of like the cool guys. We didn't get to hang out with them. And then everyone who was riding the Japanese bikes looked very different, acted very different, a lot younger. 
and had these really high-performance Japanese bikes. Guess what the British guys made of the Japanese bikes? They hated them. I just want to jump in and say, if you're listening to this recording right now, you are not being chased by the police. That is here. Yeah. Somebody else is being chased by the police. <laughs> yeah, that, yes, don't worry about that. And, you know, maybe the, the derision that we reserve for Chinese bikes now is that same derision that the British bike guys had for the Japanese bikes back in the day. And yes. And, the and there's a lot yeah. of money coming in, a lot of investment in these new, well, I say new companies, but they all seem to be Quijang. Um, they they keep buying more and more names. Right. I just saw another another one that they, uh, a French name that they're using. It's another another brand under their umbrella. Um, so I, I think we're coming into it, but... Does anyone else have an argument? And Emma, has anybody changed your mind yet? Oh, no. Okay. I have. I, I've said this before on the podcast, and I will say it again. I would give up everything I own, every friend I've got, every single thing that I hold dear. If you presented me with a time machine and said, you can go back to 1977, I wouldn't even make a decision. I'd just jump in it and go. Right. I've never deviated from that. And that doesn't mean I get all sort of weird and upset and maudlin about it. It's just a fact. Okay, Mike, what do you got? So I actually ride a Chinese bike as one of my second bike. Cool. I what have is it? a CF Moto 650 Adventura. Oh, yeah. It's it's basically the thing that looks like a Versus. And it basically performs like a Versus, but it was also $3,000 cheaper um, sticker price and basically i traded straight across when my rt died i tr- i needed a commuter so i switched straight it off but most importantly it rides as good as any other bike i've ever had it's incredibly comfortable it can keep up on group rides like it's been perfect and i would also argue that a lot of the bikes that are out there most of the smaller bmws are either straight chinese bikes or right. chinese engines put in and KTM is building bikes KTM in China now, moving right? To like, China, yeah. Right. A lot, a lot of the bikes that I have, like the bike I have, is a Kawasaki-based engine, right? It's they built it, uh, licensed uh, from Kawasaki. So all of this stuff is really, uh, and even the new Harley Trainer bike is mm-hmm. a Chinese-produced thing. So I think it's happening, even if people aren't necessarily willing to take the name. They're, they're, it's just right. it's already starting to come. So I, I so remember, wait, oh, sorry, Liza. You're, you're saying that the golden age is coming or is here? Well, I don't know if it's a golden age, but I do think it definitely mm. opens up a whole new niche of motorcycles that American producers have ignored. American producers have ignored small bikes or medium-sized bikes. Uh, whether it's Indian or, or Harley, they have both ignored the smaller bikes for a long time. And this is opening that up again. But for you, what is the golden age then? If it's not oh, what's coming? Well, for me personally, it's the 1990s for all the reasons that I talked about earlier. <laughs> okay. So, right, yeah. Yeah. so Sam uh, said, what about Kove? I, you know, we saw Kove's at, uh, at AIM last year and I was really impressed by them. And a friend of mine who runs the EverRide channel on YouTube uh, just picked one up and has been uh, documenting his uh, his impression of it. And so everything I've seen about the Kove is it's really freaking awesome. What about the Amigo? What about it? <laughs> Work required. <laughs> Work required. Let me tell you, so, you got a lot of rides today, and there were a lot of people grinning like idiots when they rode it. So if we – we're going to revisit the 70s again, but with an idea of how things might pan out in – 
you know, the 2024s and beyond. If we go back to our British versus Japanese argument, all the British bike guys hated the Japanese bikes because, 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 because. But what they didn't realize at the time, and of course a lot of them realize now, is the whole British bike movement was pretty much dying. And motorcycling as an occupation mm. was kind of dying off. And when this flood of this high, these high-performance, brightly colored, reliable Japanese bikes came in, it reignited the whole motorcycle scene, which made things better for everyone. And begrudgingly, you know, I've talked to some of these guys from, you know, from back in the day. And they say, yeah, I mean, the truth is we can look back and realize that had there been no explosion of Japanese bikes, you know, motorcycling as we know it, certainly in England, um, may have died out. And, of course, over the years, you know, there's it's been this reignition of interest in, in vintage bikes. Thanks to, well, and the Nikon in England. Right. Very popular. Hugely popular bike. <laughs> but it was this explosion of interest from young people because like it or not we have to get young people involved in these things we have to get young people that explosion of interest is exactly where Where, i was going right and this is what's happening now but how much of that how many people when you were growing up were riding motorcycles because that's what they could afford because of the economy well there was i mean there always was a little of that and that was true in my case um but a lot of people rode motorcycles through choice. I mean, there's always been plentiful amount of cheap cars in England because in the wintertime you salt the roads. And so if you salt the roads in the winter, it eats vehicles up with rust. So you could get like a scabby Mini 850 for far less than you'd pay for a motorbike. And, you know, you're driving. So if you if you were to go to any high school in England, you know, you'd see, yes, there are plenty of motorbikes in the parking lot, but there's plenty of cheap, you know, scabby, scabby cars as well. So it's, it was, in my case, it's because, you know, my family was so poor. If I wanted to go out and have some fun, the, you know, a car was off the cards of any, any amount, but I managed to cobble together bikes and we went from there. Um, and then, you know, I just, that was a sort of 15, 16. And then once I was out earning, now you're earning. Now you can. Now you can. Like, oh yeah, I'm yeah, going to buy that GS thousand. Um, so yeah, yeah. cool. Jocko, Jocko. Yeah, I want to hear the race oh. guy what he thinks. Modern life. <laughs> well, race organizations are struggling um, at the moment. There's a lot of good signs, but uh, but overall they are uh, struggling. But I don't. I don't want to talk about racing uh, right now. I think the one big thing is like this motorcycling, golden era motorcycling. Splits into two, motorcyclists and motorcycles. Everybody can have an op- opinion about what are the what's the best era for motorcycles. What were the what were the motorcycles they like the most? What are the biggest technical leaps they ever took? But if we look at motorcyclists, we are I, I think Emma is spot on. We need to look at kids. And I think that one of the biggest problems we have today is most parents are not comfortable with their kids taking That's any true. level of risk. And I think that's where we are looking at. If we're looking at next big golden era of motorcycling, um, we need to look at how when is when's the next batch of parents who are fine with their kids taking any level of risk? Because 
One of the appeals of motorcycling is that there is a level of risk. Not you don't want it to risk to be too high, but but yeah. there is a level of risk, and and parents are at the moment they are not comfortable with it, or at least not comfortable in the U.S. Maybe they are comfortable somewhere else. I don't know. But I've I, heard this argument a lot, and I don't know that it. it I tracks. have a counter. I have a counter yeah. to this. What is the fastest growing segment of riders right now? It's women, right? Women. Yeah, right. And when women ride, they're more likely to have their children ride Yeah, as but there's well. an older woman. So it's going to be grandma. But let's delve quickly into parents' fears for their children. How many people, and just give me a show of hands, either walked to school or took the school bus to school? Hands up. Uh, I mean, until I got my driver's license? Yeah. Virtually everyone. No, that, I, got a, I got a car. That doesn't happen these days, which is why you see so many SUVs parked outside the school in the morning. Yeah. Parents are terrified for everything. You know, uh, well, yeah. what if my child gets run over? What if my child gets attacked by somebody? The risks haven't increased. There aren't any more people around now that would do harm to your child than back in the 60s or back in the 70s. What we find out now, the the fear is larger because we have more access to information. We've got, instead of somebody who did some unspeakable things to a child being a line in the newspaper, now it's splashed all over the TV and the internet. So, you know parents and rightly or wrongly are a lot more frightened i like to think that the good side of it is the world is a safer place for children that's the good side of it the bad side of it is if it's too sanitary a place what kind of children are you going to be raising it's you know jacko that is an interesting perspective i had not thought about mm -hmm. that with all these helicopter moms that there's less people who are going to get into No, I'm absolutely with Jocko on this. But, but hold on. Everybody here, I, I'm, I'm going to assume everybody here got in a riding because somebody they knew they thought was cool rode, and they wanted to ride too. Oh, yeah. Right? So just by riders being out there, just us being us, we are encouraging. It's funny living I'm here, though. Sure I, we're the cool people. Well, when I go to the coast, <laughs> I go to the coast here, I see a lot of kids surfing, which is dangerous also. And it just seems like, I guess, maybe regional cultures are different, too. I, yeah. I suspect there might be yeah, places. Totally. That, yeah. But that's... That, oh, I'm sorry, Scotty, you go. No, I, I I just don't see those fears being borne out in in my experience. Watching, you know, take... We're going... Wait picking a, up my kid from school. There's third graders that are riding to school on ripping little... Super 73s. Throttle seven, super 73s. Right. And they're putting, like, three of their friends on it, and it's a freaking hoot and they're having a great time going well terrifying speeds oh hold on and this is fine. We, we've got we've got a simple way to answer this jocko you have a, a a baby now how old will that kid be when you put them on their on a bike you mean a running bike yeah. i mean she's already been sitting on a bike multiple times no, but when will uh, you teach her how to ride bike. I, at, as soon as she gets in some kind of balance so okay. I, I don't know if i'm like she's gonna be on a bike yeah. If she doesn't want to be on a bike longer term, that's that's cool. That's her choice. But she'll definitely get the get the chance to right. on. And, and Wendy and Mike, has Montessa ridden a bike yet? Yes. Yeah, Montessa had a, a PW before she there you was go. 
able to ride a PW. That, that kid's badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is there yeah. is there anyone here who's a parent who doesn't want their children to ride until they're older? Okay, I think we solved that. I, I think we self-selected. We this are one all too. bad influences. Good job. So, Wendy, what else? You have anything else? To you had your hand yeah, up. Yeah, we've we've kind of hit a few different topics here, and I know it may surprise a lot of you to know, but I am not actually British. But a lot of my British buddies, you know, my older customers and things, said, um, you know, they bought British bikes because on Saturday they could go down to the Norton factory or the Triumph factory and give a hard time to the guy who screwed up his bike and get things resolved. And then they also gave crap to the Japanese bikes. Like this was the, the new kid on the block. Right. These were the garbage bikes coming up. Right. And so now kind of Japanese bikes have become the standard of, of performance and fit and finish. And Chinese bikes are the garbage. But at the same time, the trajectory of the industry has gone from the, the cool guys ride the big bikes and the wusses and the girls ride the small bikes to like now the cool kids are riding small bikes again. You know, people are are embracing the fact that it's not always fun to wrestle a big bike around depending on right. on what your goal is. So while we have companies like, you know, Zante's are coming in with their Italian engineered Chinese bikes with 710s uh, positioned to rival the BMWs, you know, while the trajectory of the industry is skewing towards women and skewing towards smaller bikes, I really think we're we're kind of on the precipice of a big change. That Great, that yeah. would be good, but yeah, I mean the culture has definitely changed. I mean, I remember back in the day, it was a race to get the biggest bike possible, and you know we all started off on like two fifties. I mean, everyone had a two fifty, um, and then you know everyone seemed literally overnight to be on 750s 750 is a good size bike i mean you can hurt yourself plenty good on a 750 but when we saw that first xs 1100 it's like oh god it's like hog heaven and so now everyone just it was a race to get the biggest bike possible and when the kz13 came out in 79 that was it was it game over you know, it's interesting. When I moved here like 20-something years ago, I had in the moving truck with me a BMW R1150RT. Yes. A GPZ 1100. We call them GPZs. Darling. And a Roadstar 1600. Yeah. Those were all just my standard bikes. I don't have a single bike over 1,000 cc's right now. Right. And I, I need to do a bit of growing up. I still like physically large bikes. I feel very, very at home on big bikes. Um Okay, Ian. Hey, yeah, just addressing what we were talking about of bringing youth into our sport. Uh, and I've been lucky enough, my neighbor here uh, cruises by my house on a two-stroke so loud that you can't help but, like, where's the bike? Everyone breaks their neck looking for the bike. Um, but he cruises by with his 10-year-old son. And the second or third time, I just flagged him down. And they're figuring, oh, here we go. This guy is going to yell at me for the two-stroke. Um, and I was like, hey, man, come check out my two-stroke. Let's, let's talk. So fast forward, I've been on some trail rides with this, uh, my neighbor and his 10 year old and every hill climb is, a, a we've conquered it. You have so much fun. You cheer them on and it makes you remember why we got into motorcycling. Right. So to get past the golden era or any of the brands that we ri I've ridden Harley, I've ridden Honda. I love Japanese. I love whatever it takes, but it gets you back to that place of like, Oh, right. right. We're like zooming 
through the wind with, you know, it's, this is incredible. I just, and we get back to that place of like bringing youth in. Go ahead, Liza. I just want to point out when you're saying, hey, kid, come in my garage, check out my two-stroke. I'm hearing, <laughs> hey, you want some candy, kid? Yeah. <laughs> First one's well, he's already got a CR. <laughs> he has a CR-80 at his house. His granddad has a CR-80. I was like, look at my CR-80. So it's like, uh, it's great to get kids on trails. And it's a sport that I also want to mention a lot of the kids that are in what we call the pack or bike life in inner city on dirt bikes. Right. Um, that's an amazing thing to me yeah. because you're teaching kids about engineering and mechanics mm. and carbureted, aspirated gasoline versus guns mm. and violence and gangs, which mm. dirt bikes are doing great things for kids in America right now. And we really need to encourage that in our curriculum. Agreed. I, I think there should be a sport for these kids doing wheelies yeah, and stunts on their dirt bikes. Oh, yeah. The 12 o'clock boys have to do a lot of maintenance. And I just, 100% yeah. <laughs> and, run, and running simultaneously, yeah. 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 I just wanted to point out, you know, um, I've talked about how these e-bikes, like the Super 73s, are really cool, and a lot of kids are on them, but they're pains in the asses, whipping down the road faster <laughs> than everyone. And uh, now Nock has joined them because his little pit bike is not plated. And he just whips around in, in at fifty miles on an hour. sidewalks and bike lanes <laughs> at fifty miles an hour. He's now one of those little yeah, asshole you, kids. Are you on the cusp? Are you on the cusp of like lawn. get off my lawn, you little asshole? <laughs> okay, Mike, you've been waiting a while. Mikey, um, the so around here the the oh, sorry, fastest growing here? group of people. Uh, so Missouri, thanks. So the fastest group of writers, the growing group of writers that I see are like high school kids and college kids on little groms and grom clones. Oh, yeah. Like they're, yeah. they're, see, they're the ones doing the modifications. They're the ones doing, you know, they're putting the lights on the bikes. They're not doing a lot of like really big, heavy duty changes to the engine, but they're putting new exhaust. They're doing stuff like that. And they're the ones hanging out in the parking lots at the school. And, and that's, they, and that really is where I'm seeing a lot of excitement. And they're out riding around all over. It's like little tiny 125 Hells Angels going on everywhere. And it's so oh, yeah. much fun to watch. Oh, it's so cool. And there's a bunch of 250 kits now. You can oh, put a 250 okay. into a Grom now. Oh, cool. not, not to mention the mini bike mobs that go around mm -hmm. Los Angeles on the just tiny mini bikes and take over the town. Those are also incredible. Yeah, yeah Bagel's not here. <laughs> so, Emma, Sam wants you to get a GSA. Never gonna happen. I was no, never gonna get it. Well, no, did you just hang on a minute? Because rather than just say no, I. Whenever I do the castles and curves and <gasps> the oh yeah, I know we're going with this. Well, no, 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 no. I Whenever I do going. the castles and curves and I do the training tour, I always do an F nine hundred R, and I like it for its agility. I like it because I mean the thing books. You put that thing into dynamic mode and it, it hauls ass and it's it really it's a it's a good thing. But I always put in a few miles on a GSA. What are you gonna be riding this year? Oh oh do you not know yet? Yeah, I do. Yeah, what are you gonna be riding? F nine hundred R. No, you're not. Really? They ran out. You're getting the GS thirteen. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to Kat. He's like, well, Emma gets to do a review of the GS13. There, there you go. So, there so you go. I mean, GSs <laughs> are their, their own thing. Um, they're so different from everything else on the road. It's not are your they? style. You like a sport bike. You like something that has a nice ass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the GS is not. No, the not GS does that. not have a nice ass. Uh, speaking of nice asses. Johnny Pals. Yes, Johnny Powell. 
<laughs> and his nice ass. Go ahead, buddy. I'm not sure about that segue. Uh, <laughs> just run uh, with yeah, it, Johnny Powell. Just run with it. Compliment. Uh, uh, so yes, for uh, Dolomites, uh, I upgraded from the 900 to the 1300 GS, and I am super stoked. Okay, to ride like basically the flagship brand new. Yes. I've no. Never, no. No. It's, I'm stoked. It, I think it's going to be a blast. Okay, so we can have a competition, Johnny, to see who crashes theirs first. Um, <laughs> that's not a good competition. No loves that idea. <laughs> wow. Not no, it's, it's, if you haven't experienced, have not experienced a late model GS yet, they are just masterpieces of technology. It sounds like just a fall over easy. Masterpieces. I tell you why I don't like them. I whack my shins on the cylinders. Well, yeah. Well, it could be worse. Do you remember? <laughs> do, well, no, it could well, be worse if be you worse? were on a Moto Guzzi. Do you remember who got the <laughs> only injury on the naked ride a couple of years ago? Do you remember who? You. And do you remember what it was? A burn. On my knees, because <laughs> yes. I slid forward on the seat and burnt my knees on the cylinder head. Was you, you were on a BMW or a Moto Guzzi? Moto Guzzi. I was on my V11. Um, we're, we're getting close on time. So, Scotty, I wanted to come to you because you have a question for Emma. In fact, it is a tell me why question, yeah, isn't it? Tell me why how. Wait. Wait. wait was, no, you got to start the question. Oh. Tell me why. Tell me, me why. why. <laughs> I was wondering, because I, I have an idea of how my transmission works i have an idea of how my clutch works i have no idea how my auto shifter quick shifter does the clutchy things oh i think oh, I, I think i have an idea oh no that's the easiest thing i think world, I, wait, can i i also think there's a bunch of different versions of it so your husky which which bike yeah my it? husky yeah i think there's versions of it okay and i don't know how they work okay but hold on because i'm a we don't have two hours for you to explain. No, it's going to be quick. It's not going to be like last because time. Because <laughs> the Nikon has a quick shifter too, and I think I, I think I know how it works. It's, but I'll let you explain it. It's very, very easy. There's an electrical element and a mechanical element. And the electrical element, when, you, when your foot hits that gear shift... It cuts the ignition. Yeah, but how does the clutch do the clutch thing? Ah, well, here's the thing. It's actually got a mechanical element in the clutch. So when you cut the ignition, the to cut a long story short, the transmission's still saying go, 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 and the engine's going no, 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 stop, stop, stop. And there's a mechanical element in the clutch, and there's ramps so that the clutch basically disengages itself. Hmm. But you don't actually need a clutch to like change a, gears. Yeah, but there's a there's a clutch element in there as well. But the first plate, it's a slipper clutch. You okay. can't have a quick shifter without a slipper clutch. You can't do it. So what the way a slipper clutch works is when the clutch loads up, it disengages the clutch. And that's a mechanical element. That's ramps and torque. So... Uh, that's basically how it works. Very, very simple. Overly simplified. When your foot pushes on that gear shift, it cuts the ignition. And that gives it the 
sort of backwards torque that it needs. And then to the do backwards the torque disengages the clutch. Okay. And then you shift. And then the moment you take your foot away from it, powers back on. The clutch unloads, and bang! You're like a rabbit out of a gun. Pachoo! And that's how. <laughs> that's very simply how a quick shifter works. Now you can refine it from there. Instead of just cutting the ignition, you can cut it by a certain amount of torque based on throttle input. You can do this. You can do this. You can put different ramps in the slipper clutch, etc., etc. And you can actually do an electronic control on the clutch. But basically, your the easiest way to describe it, the electrical element cuts your ignition, mechanical element disengages your clutch. That's it. Very simple. Nailed it. Thank you. All right. There You're you welcome. Go. All right. Um, have you have you ever tried changing gears without using the clutch? Like on a bike that doesn't have a quick shifter? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Totally. You just kind of like preload it. But it find the gap. Totally. Find the gap. Yeah, but it's... I, <laughs> I, Generally, upshifts yeah. are okay. Yeah. Downshifts, they get a little bit tricky. Little. You've got to blip, 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 blip. Um, but that was a hallmark for us back in the GS1000 days mm-hmm. is not using your clutch. Oh, God, I remember that first GS1000. So it came with these giant twin pipes, and they went in, literally went in the garbage so, first week, and I got a Yoshimura 4 into one. Mm-hmm. It's like a stick. And... 6,000 RPM is really quite, quite, and then 6,000 RPM, it is just friggin' bellow. And the cams had come in, you just whoop on the back wheel. It was brilliant. So 40, 40 years ago, how common were automatic cars versus manual? Well, demographics. In America, incredibly <coughs> common. In Britain, an automatic car was a very, very unusual thing. It was an expensive upgrade. It was an expensive upgrade. When a car costs like, I remember like in the 70s, when a car costs like, what, $7,000, you right. an extra 1000 for automatic. Exactly. So, And even luxury cars. You know, you everyone here knows my love of Jags. And all my Jags in England were all manuals. But all now... It's hard to find a manual. Because it's going away. So is that going away in motorcycles? I think as the improvement, because look, if anyone was to drive a a muscle car with an automatic transmission versus a muscle car with a four-speeder, you realize how much quicker the manual transmission car is. Because you've got this direct drive and, you know, early automatic transmissions took all the power away. It's like it in motorcycling. Anybody who's had the misfortune to ride a CB750A realizes, you know, it's kind of okay to ride. But that transmission, oh, excuse me, takes a lot of power Is that away. gin catching up? Yeah, the gin's catching up. Liquid lunch, darling. <laughs> but that transmission, transmissions are getting good now dual clutch transmission no power wastage you've proven consistently that a dct is faster than a manual can you imagine a harley without a clutch well they already had one and it was automatic yeah and it was called god what was it called now it wasn't a cbo or something no it was it was a different manufacturer but basically it was a harley with no clutch. And they were around and they sold quite a few of them. Wish hmm. you could remember the name of it, but it looked yeah. like it looked like a soft tail. Well, we've got just a few minutes left, so I wanna throw it out to 
to the crowd to see if anyone else has an ask me, uh, ask me why. No, tell me why question. Anyone have a tell me why some burning question that you want Emma to explain? And it does not have to be about motorcycles. It can be about your love life. Yeah. It can be about children. It can yes. be about home repair. It, it can be about food Politics, intake. anything you want. Yeah, you can ask me how I get my hair like this, and I will be happy to tell you. <laughs> Does there, are there any? Tell me. Oh, everyone's so embarrassed. Really? None. Oh, oh, do we oh, have we one? Have oh. one, Dave? All right, Dave. Okay, Dave. All right, I got one. I'll, I'll step up. Wait, okay. you got to say so it first. Tell me why. I got to say the question first. Yes. Oh, tell yeah. me why. Tell, tell me why. why. I, I, I don't sing. So. <laughs> no, that's okay, Dave. Is it why? <laughs> so, um, in, in regards to the transmission question and the slipper coach transmission, I don't yeah. have a quick shifter. So my main bike is a is a, a newer Scout, um, an eighteen. Indian Scout, and yes. sometimes if I pick a pick a gear that's too high, um, I will watch the digital readout on the transmission, and it will say, I don't know. So let's say I'm doing 30 miles an hour, and I put it in the sixth gear for whatever yes. stupid reason. I can watch the digital readout on the gauge. It'll say, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. It'll actually read up. As long as I don't let the clutch out too fast, if I stay very slow on it, I won't stall. Is it actually going through all those gears automatically, slipping between them on its own? No. Or is that just the just the, the computer being dumb? It's just the computer being dumb. And the thing is to remember, computers are dumber than we think. You know, we, it's very, very easy to get, oh, God, you know, they're going to take over the world. They're not going to take over the world. Even the most powerful computer is only as good as the inputs it's given. And you've got an anomaly going there. By putting it into far too high a gear too early, um, you're confusing the computer. It's not going through the gears. Basically, you're slipping that clutch. And this is, you know, the, it's a great way to get good good mileage, but you're fooling the computer, Dave. You're in sixth gear, trust me, and you're staying in sixth gear, but you're just having to slip that clutch to get it, and your computer's going, hang on, who's this lunatic? Three, four, five, six. So there you go. All right, are there any other tell-me-whys? All right, I, I have one. Emma? Yes, darling. Tell me why. Yes. Tell me why. Scotty thinks it's a good idea to ride a 50cc on an iron butt. Well, I mean... You can present any argument and, depending on who you ask, you can say it's the, the dumbest thing in the world <laughs> or the greatest thing in the world. Why, why are we riding around on motorcycles in the cold and the rain being very dangerous when we're, when we're not sitting in the cabin of a Rolls Royce with Bach playing and the air conditioning on? So I think it's a fine idea. If it physically can be done and if you have to do um a thousand miles in 24 hours that means you have to average 40 how much miles an hour mathematicians really? 45 miles an hour over 24 hours i'm not sure that can be done but it has and been. i know it has been so uh, but I'm, I think you'd have to pick 
the 50cc bike incredible. Yeah, you, you missed that part of the conversation. So, yeah, I know, because we're leaving her back in. And I'm still stuck on this because I think it's crazy, but I'm also, I want to encourage it because. No, I think it's great. What do you think, though, about the ruckus? Because you have cargo capacity for extra gas. Well, you'd have to make it go quicker because the ruckus doesn't even do 40. But, like, Wendy and Chris, how important is it to be able to just to not stop and have extra gas and all your supplies with you? Well, you can't go more than 350 miles without gas. So you still have to stop. But, you know, being efficient, the more efficient you are, the, you know, the more time you've got to ride. Yeah. But I'd say the reason why it makes sense is because he can do it. Yeah. You know, okay. because same reason I've ridden in a, a Sportster in five Ironbot rallies. Yeah. Because I can. You want to see if you smart. can do it on the sixth. But, yeah. yeah. Um, the, it's the, not smart, the, but I can. <laughs> But you 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 distill down to the same mathematical equation. You have a thousand miles to do and twenty four hours to do it. So you have to do forty five miles an hour. If you have, if your bike won't do forty five miles an hour, you physically can't do it. Yeah, you missed that part of the conversation. We were talking about the next bike that we're most interested and excited for getting. Yeah, yeah. And mine was an Aprilia RS fifty. What's top speed on that? About sixty-five. So it 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 can cruise quite easily. But what's the cargo capacity on that? Barely me. Yes. And what's the tank size on that? Not big enough. Oh yeah, I don't know that that's I, I, yeah. you're you're on the right track because that's a big wheel fifty cc, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're on the right track with that. Big wheels are great, but oh yeah, there's that's not like simple. Okay. No, I mean, it if was you, simple. If it was something simple, I'd just stay at home and do jigsaw puzzle. Sam says that Liza shouldn't be a chicken and do it with Scotty. <laughs> On the amigo. There you go. Amigo, who? I'm going to need somebody to pull me. So you know that could be <laughs> that could be interesting. Okay, Wendy. <laughs> Wendy, I've I've got to say, <laughs> having done many, many, many iron butts, yes. when I did. I did a uh, saddle sore a thousand mile day on a hundred CC bike on my big bikes. You know, you go out and it's always like, how can I make up for time? There was an Mm -hmm. accident and I've got to, I have to make up for lost time. And, and how do I make up for my, my gas, the, you know, all of this stuff. When I'm on a hundred CC bike, it's like this weird kind of Zen where you're like, this is fast as I go, man. Like this is, I'm like, I'm like, I'm ready. I got for 23 hours and 59 minutes and like i'm just i'm just i'm in my happy place i don't go faster there's no such thing as making up for lost time and that's i mean it is one of my proudest saddle sores is on that 100 cc bike just for no other reason than it was ridiculous did so when you think i good say idea. go for it yeah did 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 anybody re- does anybody remember the podcast we did from the cat who rode from um, Canada down to Southern California on a Yamaha Twin Jet Hundred. Oh yeah, yeah. He was a he was when an he int- was a kid. When he was a kid, he was an interesting guy. That's why I want to do it before I turn forty-two. Mm. Okay. <laughs> All right, Emma, we're 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 wrapping up. I have an email for you to read. That oh I God, was I, I, I know nice. this look on your face. I'm probably in no, trouble. No, 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 you're not. It's well, a nice okay. email. Okay, and this is from Dwayne. Yes. Um. So, and it's. Thanks. Greetings, Emma, Liza, Naked Jim, Bagel, and all the other misfits. 
Whatever celebrations you participate in over this season, I hope they're joyous and filled with good fellowship and food. My lovely wife purchased the Ask Miss Emma level of Patreon membership for the next year as a gift to me. Isn't that cool? Which is awesome. But in order to keep it secret from me, she ended up joining through her Gmail Facebook account. <laughs> no big deal, but emails will come from me, DwaynePfeifferGmail.com, yes. even though blah, blah, blah. I'm so excited I could probably write a 10-page email, but I won't. We are all thankful for that, Dwayne. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not ready. I'm not ready just yet to query Miss Emma, but soon. The electrical work and a heater have been installed in the garage. Good o. Mm. Tomorrow the insulation goes in, and shortly after the start of 2024, drywall tape and paint will happen. This past fall, I took a 10-week Harley repair class. I like all bikes and am particularly interested in older BMWs, but there is no general motorcycle repair class available in the Midwest. I know, that's a bit of a shocking thing, isn't it? I figure any training hanging around motor vehicle repair is going to help me develop some confidence and basic skills. I agree with that. I'm taking a suspension and steering automotive class starting in January. At any rate, the BMW I've been eyeballing for the past year at the local shop seems to have disappeared from the webpage, drat. But there are more out there, and one will be mine before next winter. And then poor Emma will become very familiar with my email address. Happy New Year, Misfits, Dwayne, from Woodstock, Illinois. Um, I'm excited for you, Dwayne. And he's doing all the right things. He's getting the environment that he wants to work on his bike in good shape first. I can't stress this enough. If you are stuck in a shed with a mud floor and just dismal surroundings, it's very, very hard to work to any kind of standard. So if you have a nice garage that's dedicated to it, you're generally going to do a better job. And if you're not thinking, oh, it's cold, oh, I'm hungry, why is the rain falling on my head? You can concentrate on the task at hand, which is resurrecting your vintage BMW. Um, any question you've got, Dwayne, I will help you. And the thing is, for those of you that don't know, who haven't actually dipped into the Ask Miss Emma thing, I will follow through with people. I've actually gone backwards and forwards with people over a year helping them through their bike. You can't just ask a question and it's over with. I will stay with you until your bike is running. And I've done a couple like that. I remember uh, our chef friend who had the shadow. Right. It, it, took, it took him about a year to get that bike right. And he'd come back to me with a set of symptoms and I'd say, well, this is what you've got to look at. Then he'd come back with new symptoms and then we said, well, this is what you've got to look at. But he got there in the end. You push him in, you ride him home. Well, and yeah, this is also just a lead in. It's a big thanks to, you know, all of our listeners, all of you all here, especially all of our Patreon subscribers. Emma, you don't know this, but I've already made the first purchase using Patreon money of 24 for a new item to be added to the garage. Oh, that's great. And it is, do you know what a Rabaconda tire changer is? Yes, I do. What do you think of them? I think they're great. And I, you know, I was thinking about um, donating my tire machine 
because sooner or later I'm going to have to upgrade my tire machine. But I just don't have the room for but it. But you don't have the room because it's a giant thing and it needs a monstrous compressor to run it. So it's really for commercial garages only. Um, the Rabicon, I saw them demonstrate it. It's absolutely superb. What a great machine. I figured it'd be a good um, a good addition to the garage and a good way to use the money to add another tool. They're pretty expensive. It was like five six hundred dollars yeah johnny powell says he loves his the street tire one right yeah that's what i got the street tire one i've got a bunch of tires to do that i've kind of been dragging my feet because it is kind of a pain um so i'm looking forward to trying this but it's just another way of you know saying thanks to all of our patreon subscribers because this is the kind of things that i'm using the money buying new tools that are going to help even more people in 2024 yeah and we promise you that we don't use patreon subscriber money for more cosmetic surgery for Emma, we spend it all on motorbike stuff. Uh, except for that time that we got the stack of hundred dollar bills when we went to get to to the steakhouse in Portland. <laughs> no, the, <laughs> shh, shh. What? What? Shh. I've heard about that steakhouse. The United Steakhouse. Um. So we're getting ready to wrap up. Um. AMA Vintage Days. I hope some more of you are coming. I know. Um. Uh, Wendy and Mike, you going to be our neighbors again? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, fun. guys. Once again, I'm going to be in Italy, so I'm going to miss... I thought that you changed the d- the dates. Did he? Yeah, he changed the dates so you could come to Vintage Days. Oh, God. You have no excuse now. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be there. The only thing is there's no bus for you to sleep under. Oh, shit. <laughs> what am I going to... What am I... <laughs> what are you going to pass out under now? Okay, I'll figure. I'll 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 find some poor hapless family in a in a in a in an RV and just pass out to them. Mummy, there's a dead woman under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! So, um, I want you all to get in training. Those of you that are going to vintage days, if any of you think you can out drink me with a gin bottle, you'd better start practicing because I'm going to take this pretty seriously. Yeah. Well, um, and hey, man, ha- happy New Year's to everybody. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us here. <laughs> we've had a great group, and uh, it's been two weeks since we've even seen each other here, so this was fun, too. Yeah, you look healthy, Liza. England obviously agreed with you. I can't eat that much food there. Yeah, the food is rich. <laughs> it's bland. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you had a good Christmas though. I did. We we had poppers and silly hats. That is crackers. The, crackers. Crackers. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Well, that's the important thing. Yeah, and a roast. And a roast. Yeah. And did you sit sit and watch King Charles at three o'clock? <laughs> we did listen to his speech. Of course you do. That's Christmas. That's what that's you do. What the you King's do. speech. Yeah, you do listen to the King's speech. Of course, it was the Queen's speech in my. Everyone's day. like, oh, it's time for the Queen's. I mean, the King's mm, speech. speech. That's right, and everybody sits down and listens to the King's speech. Yeah, he was all right. Yeah, he was all right. He's a good egg. Well, it's ready to wrap up. Again, thank you to everyone. What a great year. I love you all, darlings. Emma, as we're going away, for all of the people who joined us via Zoom, why don't you give them another flash of the panties? (laughs) Oh, there it is. Took your picture. (laughs) Oh, there's a child. Oh, my God. Oh, no. no. There's a child. Montessa, Montessa, darling. I'm so sorry. (laughs) 
All right, I think it's... Montessa, I want you to pay attention very carefully. That is not how ladies should behave. (laughs) Are you listening, young lady? (laughs) (laughs) Hey. However she wishes. Yeah, no, she can. (laughs) Yeah, well, hopefully she'll be at Vintage Days too. I hope so. You can teach her how to be a lady there, Emma. Nicely done. (laughs) As you're crawling under their truck to go to sleep. Yes. Yeah. Um, Hey, go to Motorcycles and Misfits if you want to find links uh, to everything. We don't have shirts, but we do have a link to our Zazzle, and we sold some more Zazzle. People like the Emma's Army stuff there, too. Yeah. I mean, Emma's Army, you know, we haven't really talked about Emma's Army in a while, but Emma's Army is still very much going strong. And I think next week I'm going to do a little reminder of what it – really should mean to be in Emma's army and I'm going to get a bunch more stickers so I'm going to give them out okay and of course if you want to send us an email John where do they send it to uh, recyclegarage at gmail.com that is not correct Phil at Cleveland Moto. <laughs> nope that is not correct that's a complaint department motorcycles <laughs> and misfits at gmail.com I put send you send it to the designated crying corner yeah exactly <laughs> and send all complaints to Phil at Cleveland Meadow com. All right, I think we're ready to wrap up. Uh, for all of you here, unmute because we need you for our outro. You know the final thing to say. Let's get everyone in on this. So thank you, everyone, for sticking with us. Uh, it's time to get out of here. This is Liza. Stumpy John. Emma Darling. Scotty. Melissa. And we are out of here. Cool. Cool. cool.